What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the center stage. This is Carolina Araujo and Jessica Dolayas. And today we have a really cool episode for you guys. This is something that, you know, um, I don't think we have talked specifically about on the show, but Jessica and I haven't talked about it together. So we are going to anyways. Uh, we're going to talk about progressive overload and training strategies, right? How to apply it, what it is, how to go about it. Um, you know, all of the ins and outs and variables that are involved within progressive overload, because I'm sure some people are listening to this and they're like, what the hell is progressive overload even? So that's today's topic. But first, Jess, what's going on? Uh, off season. Yes. been actually incredible. I feel freaking fantastic. Um, getting my food up really quickly. My lifts have been amazing. My strength has been up. My energy has been up. I'm sleeping like a baby, which I mean, and all honestly, like I don't get very terrible feeling in prep, but it's still prep. You still feel it, especially because I mean, I did so many shows and was in prep for a while. So you don't sometimes also realize that you feel it until you get out of prep. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, like it's funny how you don't realize that sometimes like, Oh, yeah. I, was, I was tired. Wasn't I? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like, feel like I need a nap every day at 1 PM or something like that. So I feel really good. My strength has been going up so quickly. I just been lifting heavy and eating and I'm already seeing some really good changes and it's only been like not even three weeks into my improvement season. So been good feeling good that's good yeah how about you what's going on oh my god so much so many things well we got the cat out of the bag the cat literally got yanked out of the bag last episode I got so many messages about like you're moving when are you coming back oh my god you're in the VLA so for those that didn't listen to our last episode shame on you but no just kidding um I exactly I announced that I am coming back to New York which now I actually have a definite date uh I fly out of LA July 17th which is a Sunday I'm expecting a welcoming party in Newark airport (laughs) just kidding yes Um, of course but I am, I've just been kind of like between training, you know, managing work. Obviously there's, it's like Murphy's law. Like the second I decided to move back to New York, the second that my job, my new job got settled, like I got like a handful of new clients here, like physical, like in-person clients. So I've been like just working like an animal and trying to like get them all prepared, whether they're going to like other trainers and getting them all set up. And a lot of people are actually transitioning from in-person to online coaching, which I'm very excited because it just gives continuity to our work together. Um, So it's just been a combination of that. Try not to get overwhelmed, which I'm actually doing an okay job. I am like the epitome of anxiety. So I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm usually just high strunk and anxious. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm doing good. Um, the only thing that's been super, super tough, and I know that you can um, like, I guess, feel me on this one, has been my dog. Right. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, I have a 11, where is he? He's in the bedroom. Uh, an 11 and a half year old um dog and he is a big mush but he's also 55 pounds so like relocating him has been this huge ordeal um I managed to you know like find the relocation company they've been great they do this like all the time they're super well ranked here in LA um but it's just getting like more so my nerves acclimated because Beamer has never been flown before 
my mom is going to go pick him up. He's going to live with her for a bit. So it's, it's fine, but it's just, I am going to either one be have, have to be heavily sedated the whole entire day while he's traveling <laughs> or just, you know, I don't know. Maybe someone will just knock me, like, just knock me out. I don't know. I don't know. It'll be fine. It, everything's yeah. great. But aside from that, it's just been, you know, little logistics running around like a headless chicken. Um, I am very, very excited to be back, especially because it'll be like during the summertime. Um, I am going to be back in New York for the week of universe. So I'm excited to see everyone there uh, via the show. So lots of lots of fun, exciting things um, and just continuing kind of working on my physique. I think that this is like when push comes to shove and life gets really stressful for me, I really lean into my training and lean into my diet. So like all things considered, like I was telling my roommates yesterday, this is the best, I, this, in my opinion, and I'll toot my own horn here. Like this is the best I've ever looked. Like yes. I am really, really, really happy with how I look like both on and off stage. Like this is by far the healthiest and like best my physique has ever been. Um, and I think because I have like, I have to keep the structure, like this is right. the one constant, right. And it's been really, really making a huge difference. And then if, obviously you look good, then you feel good. And then you, when you feel good, you want to continue to do what it is that mm -hmm. you're doing to look good. So it's just been like positive reinforcement. Yeah. Those results yeah. are, results are the biggest motivator, right. At the end of the day, but for sure, for yeah. sure. But, but like I'm I said to you, though, is you, you, I, I've seen you. you, you look freaking great. So I'm, I'm excited. You're killing it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's interesting to see. And I was just talking to someone about this yesterday. It's, it's very interesting to see how people have been responding to, because, you know, like, you know, when you do your shoulders grow a little bit or you're lifting a little heavier and you feel a little stronger, you know, like a lot of the changes within your diet or your routine, you're the only one that notices, right? Because you're so um, involved in it. You're so consumed, like pretty much consumed because we plan it, we run it, we structure it ourselves, especially in off season. Um, but when other people start to notice, you know, like a lot more people come up to me and they're like, are you competing soon? Uh, you know, what are you doing? Is this what you're working on? Is that what you're working on? Oh, I, I noticed X, Y, and Z. So it's, it's really reassuring to see that because I'm like, okay, I do know what I'm doing for myself. Like my clients, no problem. The second I start to like coach myself within, you know, even off season, I'm always like, okay, this is what I'm going to do, but I guess is okay. I, I'm wondering if I'm doing the right thing. Um, so it's, it's been really rewarding to like get really positive feedback from other people. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And definitely, definitely true, especially when you're a coach and you have your clients sometimes you end up kind of putting yourself on the back burner, not intentionally. And then you question everything you're doing for yourself, but for your clients, you're like, all right, I know this is what we got to do. This is going to be great. And then you go to yourself and you're like, is it though? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, should I be doing this? Mm -hmm. But no, that that's great. I'm glad it's all coming together for you. You look awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and it's been like food, but just pushing pedal to the metal on the training and the cardio. Right. Um, mm -hmm. which is, today's topic. Uh, so we'll jump right in, especially because it's, it is my favorite training <laughs> strategy yes. of all times, progressive overload. Um, mm. So for those that don't know, and I think that we'll just give them like, could just give them like a straight up definition and work our way from there. Right. So 
the way that I usually describe progressive overload to my clients is whether it is on a workout, like set to set basis, or okay, I'll backtrack it. It is the continuously increasing the stimulus, continuously increasing the stimulus that you are applying onto your muscle tissue, whether it is on a set to set basis or on a week to week or training cycle to training cycle basis, right? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. how would you translate that to all the folk, the, the folk <laughs> listening? Yeah. So break down that science. So yeah, I pretty much say it the same kind of way. It's basically a gradual increase in a stimulus or a stress on your muscle to create change. Uh, So it's consistency, but basically making tiny increases to that consistency over time. So basically what that means is it's having a consistent training split, so to say. So you're following basically the same workout program, the same training days from day to day, but you're making gradual increases um, in different methods that we're going to go over, whether it's in weight or tension or different things like that to create a constant stimulus and adaptation on the muscle Mm -hmm. because, And we'll get into this later too, in terms of, you know, some people think you have to confuse the muscle or change it in order to create change, but it's actually the opposite. You need to keep doing the same thing and increasing what you're doing and beating that muscle more and more in the same way to make it grow because it'll keep giving it a reason to grow under that consistency. Um, So let's get into some of the ways that you can do uh, progressive overload. Like for example, um, the first one, you want to take the first one? Um, yes. Uh, the weight load, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're thinking about just it, literally the amount of weight that you are moving um, on a set to set basis, right? So an example of that would be you are, you're doing your squats, right? So you're starting your squats on, and within the same workout, you have uh, four sets of 12 to 15 reps, Right. So for your initials, so set one, you're starting at 95 pounds. You're doing your 12 to 15 set two. You're going up to, you know, 115 set three. You're going to 135 set four. You're going to 205 or 185, whatever the case may be. That's one example. The other example would be maintaining. So finding the weight that is challenging to you um, within that 12 to 15 rep range, meaning by rep, like six or seven, right? A lot of people like to wait until the end of the set. If you're trying to grow, you need to be feeling that struggle from the middle of your set. The first couple of reps, don't go all out. Of course, you want to be able to move the weight, warm up your joints. But if from set like five, six, and seven, you're feeling that struggle all the way to set to rep 15, do that same weight for your four sets from week one to week two to by week three, if that weight by set uh, by, by rep eight or nine, it still feels easy and you're not feeling that struggle, then you increase the weight and you start from the bottom up, right? So, and then you're doing 205 or something like that. And you do go 12 reps with 205 for week one and two. By week two, it feels a little bit easier. Then you increase to 220, you know, so on and so forth. So um, you are progressively increasing the weight without changing the repetition range there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that would be increasing the weight load 
over time. Um, and also something to keep in mind when you are increasing the weight load is your strength and your energy is going to be different depending on the day. So a lot of times it has more to do with your output and your energy for the day than it does the actual weight you're using. Obviously over time, you do want to continue to increase the weight up and up and get stronger with those reps but every day is going to look a little bit different. So you might have one week where let's say you're doing that, you know, 150 and that feels really easy. And then the next week it's, you're doing 140 and that feels a little bit more challenging. But if you're feeling the same push and tension in the muscle, you're not necessarily going to not make progress if you're still outputting as much energy as you were or more energy, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, you do want to increase the weight as it goes over time, but that's also why you want to follow a workout split for a longer amount of time because you have to take into account those undulating weeks of your energy levels, depending on how your day is going too. Yeah, especially for, I mean, you know, of course this goes into like all the variables in terms of like sleep, hydration, um, amount of food. Are you always training at the same time? Like you and I talked mm -hmm. about this in previous episodes, it is very important to be consistent with the time that you, that you train so that you know exactly how much energy you're, you know, you're putting into your body and how your body is responding to that amount of energy. Uh, but you know, especially for women, ladies, yeah. hormonal, hormonal fluctuations will play such a huge role on your, on your energy levels, your digestion, your quality of sleep, your recovery rate, right? So all of those things are being very, very strongly impacted. So don't beat yourself up. Like just saying, you know, if you are focusing on that stimulation, you're focusing on that overall mind muscle connection and contraction and engagement, then that's something to look for. If you are going into the gym feeling like, oh, today I feel a little bit tired. You know, you tried the weight that you had on your notes or on your app or something like that. You tried that weight and it just feels miserable. Like you can't even do eight reps. You're supposed to get to 15 drop the weight and do those 15s with a weight that still feels challenging, but you're thoroughly challenging your muscle tissue, right? You're thoroughly pr uh, promoting that muscle fiber micro tears. Yeah. And that's also why I have all of my athletes track their menstrual cycles to me see what point of your menstrual cycle are you at and how that affects your energy, your strength and everything. Cause that's going to change depending on what part you're on. Like I'll even use my myself for an example. And I feel like I'm a little bit different than most people is when my, like when my period starts, my strength shoots way up, like oh, crazy, crazy strong, like all of a sudden, like a big difference. But if it's the week before it, uh, yeah, I am not strong at all, <laughs> but you pay attention to those and you know what to look for. So you can understand, like, see where you are in your part of your cycle. Okay. That's why I'm less strong. That's why I'm more strong. And it kind of is something to take into account there. So that's definitely a good point, especially for women. Mm hmm. For sure. For sure. Um, now the next one, just, you want to take this one is, I guess we talked a little bit about, but reps and mm -hmm. set quantity, right? That is a, that's, I like that one. I like that Yeah. One. <laughs> so that would be progressive overload by increasing that stress in terms of the number of sets you do or the number of reps that you do per set. So let's say you start, um, for two weeks, you're doing, three sets per exercise, and then you increase it to four sets. So that would be a way that you're increasing the amount of stress you put on your body by increasing the amount of uh, sets reps as well. So maybe you're doing, you're starting at eight reps and then you start increasing it to 10 or 12. 
Um, so that would be another way as well. So you're just continuously adding volume by adding reps or sets. Um, and it's good to, because depending on how long you're on your workout split, you can only add so much, right? So you mm-hmm. don't want to get to, let's say week 12, you're doing the same set and you're trying to do 12 sets of something because that's not exactly realistic. So yeah. in between it, then maybe you'll want to drop it a little bit and do, let's say less sets, less reps in between and push the weight load. So it would be kind of combining the two different methods that we said, but it would still be progressive overload, pushing the volume in that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and especially when it comes to, to the length of your, you know, your training cycles too, and this could be a whole other episode on its own. Um, and I'll just quickly touch on it because people will just be like, well, what about, um, when you're, when, when you do find yourself at that point where you're either pushing for too long or that fatigue is just not budging, right. You just get to the gym and you're like my strength, instead of shooting up, like it has been for the past two, three weeks is shooting down. And this is happening like week and week, you know, week after week, that might be time for a deload. You still can work through progressive overload, but meaning you are going to, you know, strongly, like you're going to greatly reduce that amount of weight uh, or the training intensity or the training volume um, in order to take a little bit of, take a lot of stress off of your both uh, muscle, you know, muscle skeletal system, but also your central nervous system, which is mm-hmm. really, really important. Cause guess what? Your brain gets stressed out by training too. Not just your muscles, not just your ligaments and your joints, your brain, yeah. too, cause it's the thing that is telling your body what to do. Yeah. Especially on those, uh, those big compound moves. So sometimes even a deload might be just taking out those heavy squats and deadlifts or something like that and focusing on more, um, you know, accessory work, uh, single joint movements and things like that. Like you're just doing, you know, leg curls and the kickbacks and the easier, not easier things, but taking out the bigger compounds, even that is going to be the sense of a deload too. Yeah. I have a girl right now. That's uh, one of my girls is on, on a deload and her deload is by just reducing her training frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was like, well, do I really need to rest today? I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise it doesn't work. Then you're not deloading. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but that's, that's, I just figured I'd sneak in that in there because people are just like, okay. So she said 12 weeks. Great. I'm just going to keep adding weight for 12 weeks and just, just drop dead eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you were trying to keep, let's say, adding reps for 12 weeks, let's say you're starting at 10, what are you going to be at a hundred by the time you get to just a billion reps? Yeah. I mean, Hey, if that, if that was possible, you you might have to get checked for some superpowers and I want some of uh, some of your powers there. Amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The next one is tension and tension can be such a such a broad term because it can literally be anything it could um i would say just here we could specifically talk about like time under tension right, right. so yeah. time under tension which is essentially the length of time or duration of time in which you are placing your specific muscle group or area under tension throughout the length of a set or the length of an exercise right so if you're thinking about and this is when we start talking about like um, you know, concentric, uh, contractions, eccentric contractions, right? So your movement up, your movement down, your, um, lengthening and contracting flexion of the muscle. So how long are you, how long is it taking you from start to finish of every single repetition? 
right? Mm-hmm. Or that exercise. So a great way to do time under tension is literally just moving slower on the way up, moving slower on the way down. Sometimes you can even do like an isometric hold, which is literally holding the same position while holding that weight uh, for a certain amount of time. Um, and, and that's a great way to increase tension and stimulation to the muscle without necessarily increasing the weight too, too much, right? So this right. is great for, um, I would say, individuals who may be either experiencing a little bit just too much of like stress on the joints because they've been lifting so heavy, or even if you are leading up to, you know, closer to your show day, you still want to get a lot of tension, your muscle, put, place your muscle, muscle under a lot of tension, but guess what? You don't want to injure yourself. Like you don't want to like, just go all out crazy every single, um, every single workout, because you need to be very methodical about how you train, about how you utilize your energy. So that's a great way to just maintain volume to those muscle bellies is just holding that tension for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so something I like to do sometimes too with that is, let's say you get started on a workout split and the first four weeks is a strength phase. So you're continuously pushing the weight load. And then for maybe two weeks after that, you focus on tension and or tempo work, you could call it. So maybe you do slower eccentric, which is, you know, the negative of the movement. So let's take um, a hip thrust, for example, if you're doing a hip thrust, the eccentric would be when you're lowering your glutes down and then you would do a hold on the contraction. So a hold when you're up in that glute bridge mm-hmm. and then um, a quick, you know, construct concentric. So you would quickly uh, raise it up into that hip thrust. So if you do it like that, then you'll be dropping the weight load a little bit. So that way you can hold it longer under tension and you're not necessarily in that strength weight load push phase, but you're still pushing that tension and that volume that tends to be a good way to kind of take it back. And then even a lot of athletes will see a strength increase after doing that because they're able to hold the form and the tension better uh, because they were doing that tempo work. And then they get into, let's say back into strength phase after that. And then a lot of the times their strength will shoot up, um, which is typically a goal that I like to see happen when I do that, which tends to work really well. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great example of it. Um, I think that, you know, oftentimes people underestimate the importance of, you know, connecting with your muscle tissue and connecting, Mm -hmm. like having those muscle fibers fire, which I think that time under tension or tempo is a great way to fire or recruit more of your muscle fibers, right? You're both slow twitch and your fast switch, which are the ones that, you know, either uh, fire when you're sprinting or fire or just have more endurance, right? So um, as the means to just grow more, promote more hypertrophy, right? Because if you're doing a strength, if you're doing super, super heavy weight, uh, you know, balls to the wall, all out as heavy as possible from your, from when you're thinking about your squat or your deadlift from point A to point B of that movement, you might be have, you might have the strength to get through it, but are you really truly recruiting the most amount of muscle fibers and promoting muscle growth by doing so? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of what you're saying is like, it's important to, yes, continue to promote that strength increase, but also know that, okay, am I using every single little, you know, worker in the factory in order to get my end product um, ready to go the best it can possibly be? 
Yeah. And so it's almost at the same time, kind of like a couple of form check weeks yeah. to make sure that your, your execution is on point too. Mm -hmm. um, the next one is, oh, this is a cool one. Same mm -hmm. motion, different exercise. Yes. Yes. So some ways that you can change it up, quote unquote, but still be doing the same exercise motion or split is if you change how you do it. So let's say you take an exercise that's seated and you make it standing, uh, like a dumbbell lateral raise. You're doing them seated, you do them standing. Um, maybe you do, a, you know, like a hip hinge on a reverse hack squat. Maybe you do a Smith machine or a free barbell good morning or something like that. So you're taking the same motion, but it does hit the muscles a little bit differently in a slightly different angle and way of executing. So it is going to create a different, uh, a difference in that sense. So, or a leg curl, like a, if you're trying to do knee flexion, you mm. do seated or you do laying. So you do it in um, a little bit more of the, the uh, hip extension instead. So there's all different ways to do that, but you're still going to be executing the same motion, but in a slightly different way, uh, which is a great way to challenge the muscle in a new way without completely changing it up. Yeah. My favorite is, uh, to change, to, to change this, keep the motion and change the exercise. My favorite is like, uh, like a split squat lunge situation. Yeah. There's so much that you can do with it. You could do step ups, mm -hmm. you could do Bulgarian split squats, you could do, um, you know, single leg leg press, you could do high step ups, low step ups, back foot mm -hmm. elevated, you could, you know what I mean? And those yeah. are all so helpful when it comes to like glute development. Yes. It's and it's funny, because I'll get ever it, it's it's like a trick every time I'll put, you know, I'll put lunge variations or like that split squat variation for clients. And they're like, why, why are my glutes so sore now? Because exactly. That's even a good thing too, is turning something into, you know, a lunar unilateral exercise where you're doing one side at a time instead of doing both together. And that's a good way to check to see and make sure you don't have any imbalances as well, because maybe you're noticing that let's say your, your right leg is stronger than your left leg. Well, you'll obviously notice that more if you're doing single leg work. So that'll kind of trigger you, which one you have to maybe work first, which side you need to work first, which side you need to work a little bit harder. And that'll help you for when you go back into, um, you know, works up, work on both sides. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally right. That's a great point too. Also thinking about like just overall core engagement, but that's a whole different top, top, topic. My brain is like, Oh, wait, what about this? Um, <laughs> Uh, the next one is rest time. So rest time is literally the amount of time that you're resting in between sets, whether you are doing single sets, supersets, triceps, giant sets, whatever the case may be, like how long are you resting in between? Um, and there are so many different ways to go about it. So if you're thinking personally, I believe, and obviously this depends from person to person, if you're looking to truly work on, you know, like the meat and potatoes of progressive overload, when you're thinking about increasing the weight from set to set. Um, I think that anywhere between 60 seconds to 90 seconds is a great amount of time. Some people need two minutes. Some people need two and a half minutes, depending on the amount of weight and the number of repetition. Um, anywhere, anything past two minutes, I think it just goes more into a strength phase. And then now you're just dilly-dallying a little bit too much. But um, I think anywhere between 60 to 90 seconds is kind of the sweet spot that I've found. Um, and then, you know, so that you can 
fully recover both your cardiovascular system, but also when it comes to your ATP production and your glycogen utilization, right? So you, the, the energy that your muscle, that your cells are producing and, and the fuel that your cells are taking up in order to produce the energy for your muscles to contract and expand and produce force, uh, it requires a little bit of time. Now there are all these, you know, like, yes, a technically when you're thinking about cellular energy production, right? It only takes anywhere between 20 to 45 seconds for that to regenerate. However, you want as much energy production done as possible from set one to set two to set three in order to be able to have that force output, um, you know, to the high force output so that you can lift weight, more weight from set to set. And then that goes obviously in the other direction. If you're looking to work on a more metabolic, um, you know, aspect of training, you can still utilize progressive overload, but rest a little bit less. So any, you know, 45 seconds, 30 seconds, some people will go and go towards like Tabata training. And there's like 20 seconds on 20 seconds off where you're greatly reducing the, the, the load that you're moving, the weight that you're moving, um, or trying to keep the weight as heavy as you can for that amount of rest. And then you're just banging out those reps um, with shorter periods of time of downtime in between. Um, that's when you're going to start feeling a little bit more winded. Your cardiovascular system is going to be more challenged. Um, and a lot of people utilize that as, you know, a great technique to reduce body fat, although you don't really need it. I, I think that like, it depends from person to person. Some people need the, the higher pace for that to, to, tar- to hit those, you know, that adipose tissue storage. Some people, do, some people don't, some people could just go straight through, you know, regular hypertrophy base, 60 to 90 seconds, push the weight and that alone will get them. Mm-hmm. And, and then it also depends on your body type and what your goals are, of course. Um, but as far as, rest times go in terms of exercise selection. Of course, for the bigger compound movements, like your squats, your deadlifts, even heavy dumbbell shoulder press, things like that, those are going to be on the longer end as Mm -hmm. to if it's a single joint motion or something like a, you know, lateral raise, leg extension, something like that, then you're going to be typically on the shorter end either way, even no matter your rep range really. Um, But if you are doing, let's say anywhere say anywhere eight to seven sets or lower, you're going to be probably on the closer to the two minute mark. Mm-hmm. And then if you're anywhere above that 10 to 12 rep range, you're going to be closer to that, like 45 to 60 second kind of kind of rest period is, is what yeah. I tend to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I think that this is, you know, it, the, the, the way in which your body responds to your rest period will also change over time. Right. Um, a lot of people, when they start training with me, they're like, Oh my God, I am so winded. I'm so sorry. It's taking me so long. And I was like, you don't need to apologize. You'll notice that as the more you train, the more consistent you are, the better your muscle endurance will get, the better your cardiovascular strength will get and your recovery time from set to set will improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing too, that goes into a kind of like a telltale sign of whether it is overtraining or whether it is, you're just having an off day, maybe as you do want to reduce the weight, how you're recovering from set to set. If it's just taking forever, like after a couple of exercises, like, okay, something's got to give your body's telling you something. Um, again, if you are getting ready for a show and you're, you know, on a crazy, crazy deficit, you're going to be tired. Yeah. 
someone's got you just got accepted they like you said like you woke up one day and you're like oh I have been tired for months (laughs) I accepted that like this is just you that's your new norm Mm -hmm. gotta push through it yeah exactly Um, the next one is it's this is actually a topic that not not a lot of people um talk about or mention in programming is reps reps in reserve rir uh, mm-hmm. versus like training to failure. So yeah. you take that one and run with it. <laughs> yeah. So what that means, so reps and reserve means that you are pushing through a set for a number of reps where it's not necessarily to where you cannot possibly do any anymore. It's where you maybe have a few left in the tank. So you don't take it all the way to failure, which when you're training for hypertrophy to build muscle, you don't have to take every single set to failure. Mm -hmm. Yes, it has to be a challenge, but you don't necessarily want to go your max output on every single exercise. You want to feel to the point where you maybe have one to two to three reps left in the tank before you stop and move on to the next set. Some exercises you are going to want to take to failure to get that strength push and that progressive overload, so to speak, in that sense. But it's good to incorporate some reps in reserve, uh, which not a lot of people realize that that's actually a good technique to do to increase hypertrophy. You don't have to constantly keep beating the muscle like everything to failure, 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 because then you might be beating the muscle a little bit too much if everything you do, and especially in one workout session, everything is to complete failure. It's good to have some exercises in there that are going to be more reps in reserve where you have a couple left in the tank. That doesn't mean that those exercises are easy peasy and you kind of breeze mm-hmm. through them. They're still very challenging, but you don't go to the point where I cannot possibly lift this weight anymore if my life depended on it kind of thing. When that's what actual going to failure is. And if yeah. you're actually training to failure, failure, I sincerely hope you have a spotter with you. Yeah. And, and I think that that's what a lot of people who are new to resistance training or new to the intensity required to promote muscle tissue growth. Um, it, it gets, it could get scary. It could be scary. It could be scary to train to failure. Like you're saying, it's great to have a spotter for certain lifts. Like I know for a fact that I much it's much easier to go to much easier to go to failure on a deadlift than it is to, to on a squat. Yeah. Like I won't, there is weight that like, I think it was like a couple of weeks ago that I was training and one of, one of the guys at the gym, uh, who's also a competitor. And he was just like, Oh, can I jump on like all the squat wax racks were busy. Can I jump on your squat rack? Great. Of course. Why not? I know you're serious. You're sure. We spot was like, maybe we'll spot each other. I was able to, I was able to push 215 for 12 reps with somebody spotting me. Whereas mm-hmm. when I'm lifting 205, I get to six and I'm like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. And that's, yeah. a good, <laughs> that's a good point too. Um, and yeah, when you're training to failure, like a lot of times we don't even realize that we're not training to failure. And most people say, oh, I trained to failure. I couldn't possibly do anymore when they probably could have banged out a couple more and they don't realize. But a lot of times that happens if you're apprehensive or also if you just you you're going to feel like you can't do any more 
But if you would maybe pause for a second and push it out, like I said, if your life depended on it, you could 100% get a couple more out of those with that, especially that adrenaline rush. Yeah. Uh, but if you do have a spotter when you're training to failure, which I will say my husband started joining me again in my training and what a freaking difference and what I'm able to push. And it's not even always that he's helping me get the last reps. It's just, I know you're there. So if I'm about to die, I'm fine because you're there. Yeah, You get me. I think. Yeah. So yeah, it's great. So I, this week was able to push uh, just because he actually didn't even have to help me, but I knew he was there to push it. If it was going to fall on top of me, I was doing leg press on the sled and I hit 660 for 12 reps. And I would have never, ever tried that before if he wasn't there just because I was like, all right, it'll, it'll be fine. He's strong. He can, he can take the sled if you know, it's not gonna <laughs> kill me. He can push it up so that way I can get it up. But even just knowing somebody's there really helps you, which you don't, obviously not everybody's going to have a training partner or somebody that they can train with, but just understanding the difference between actual training to failure versus reps in reserve. If you're training more on reps in reserve, you're not doing something wrong because it's still going to help you with building muscle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that this is where it's helpful to like, maybe if you are someone whose goal is to grow. Um, and you already invested time and money on a coach, sometimes it's very helpful to invest on a trainer, mm-hmm. right? If even if it's one, one leg, one day a week, right? You're trying to grow your shoulders, you're trying to grow your legs, you're trying to grow your back, and then ha- make that person's mission to make sure that you know every so set every so session you are training to failure because right. that is a very, very different stimulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely different. And yeah, if you're serious about really building some muscle, especially since I know most of who we, you know, talk to here are competitors, you're already making so much of an investment as a competitor to just even do that one day a week to have somebody there. If you can't have somebody else there with you, otherwise it really, really will make a difference. Yeah. And I mean, also like be mindful of who you're asking. If you are looking for a workout partner, like get somebody that is that can understand the process, right? So I I joke all the time where like, I have, there are maybe like, you are one of them because you and I train with the same intensity, but like you and like my best friend, Stephanie, you're the two women that I feel comfortable training extremely, extremely, extremely heavy with, because mm-hmm. I know that you understand what it means when I go like, okay, this is heavy, but we're about to bang out 10. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, of the time I have always, since I started bodybuilding, trained with men. Right. I think maybe too is like a competitive thing. Like if they're lifting super, super heavy, I feel like I could go a little heavy. I could do one. Yeah. yeah, It's also the the knowledge that like, I know that they are physically stronger and are able to push me through, you know, this really, really heavy ass weight. Um, So for, so what, so my, to my point is don't ask your like, your girlfriend who just started to work out and wants to join your lifts because she wants to, she too wants to get the, the benefit of your contest prep workouts flip. Like that is not going to push you hard enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the next topic is how long to follow a training split for. Um, and I think that this will really truly depends from person to person, but I would say like, generally speaking, you want to place yourself 
no less than four weeks, four to six weeks, Mm -hmm. no more to eight from no more than eight to 10. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And even in the eight to 10 or eight to uh, 10 to 12, you can still have like micro cycles that are changing within the same workout split. So what I mean by workout split is literally just the schedule, right? So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, Saturday is lower body day. Tuesday, Thursday is upper body, or, you know, like you have a leg day, push, pull, rest, leg day, push, pull, so on and so forth. Like keep that strategy for, you could do that anywhere from a month to 12 weeks, how you divvy up the work in terms of number of sets, number of, uh, you know, number of reps, rest period, that will change from face to face. Um, and usually I've found the most amount of uh, response or the, the, the level of responsiveness to be much higher in terms of progress when you're at that like five to six week mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's going to, and it's going to vary person to person, of course, just like you said, but I typically like for a lot of my athletes, they tend, they tend to do about six to eight weeks. Some will do, some will do 12. Um, personally, I tend to do somewhere between eight and 12. It depends, but when you do cycle a long workout split like that, just like you said, you have to have those mesocycles where you are changing things. So whether you, like we talked about, maybe you have a strength phase, then you have a tempo phase, then maybe you have a deload somewhere in there. So you kind of factor those in that are going to come up through your training split. So that way you are hitting the same muscles and continuing, continuing that progressive overload, but you do have some changes in there. So it's not just trying to build strength on the same exercises or doing the same exercises for the same amount for that 12 weeks, if you're hitting the longer run. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that it just like goes back to what we've talked about in different aspects of and different topics in this podcast is just consistency. You yeah. have to be consistent. It's like I thought about it this at the beginning of the episode. It was just like it's like it's like doing a recipe and like trying to make chicken noodle soup and using different ingredients every time. <laughs> Yeah. And trying to get the perfect chicken noodle soup. And you, but you're changing all of the ingredients. At one point, you're not even using chicken anymore. And then trying to go like, oh, I wonder why it doesn't taste the same. Yeah. You know, like instead of like having eight out of 10, you know, like nine out of 10 ingredients stay the same, you change one. Maybe you put less salt. Maybe you keep the salt, you change the potatoes. You keep the potatoes, you change the piece, part of the chicken you're using or you use the change every, keep the chicken, you know, so you have to be methodical with the things, the variables that you're, that that are constant so that, you know, that once you make small changes, you know, where the, the, where the adaptation or where the response or lack thereof is coming from. right? Right. So if you are increasing the weight, but you can still, you still don't feel like you're fatigued or challenged. Okay. Now, you know, you got to increase the weight more. You can't increase the weight, increase the rep, reduce the rest, change the exercise, and then expect to figure out, Hmm, I wonder if I'm getting stronger. Yeah. It just, at the end of the day, it has to be measurable in order to Mm -hmm. know if you're making progress or not. So that's, that's exactly what you're saying. You know, it has to be something that you can repeat again when you change things you have to know what is it that made the change what is it that you need to fix or or change or the weight load or anything any of those factors Uh, because at the end of the day it's still it still has to be chicken noodle soup 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If it's not broken, then try to fix it. And if yeah. you're trying to just improve it, don't change the whole thing altogether. Change mm-hmm. one thing at a time. And this is where, you know, like you and I, we mentioned it before, it's just like muscle confusion. Confusing, yeah. like sneaking, sneak attacking your muscle is not the way to go about it. Like I see all of these, there's so many funny reels and memes now on social media that it's just like people popping out of garbage cans and like bicycle <laughs> into a squat. Like you don't need to confuse the crap out of your muscle. Just your muscle likes to know what's going on. Yeah. Your muscle is boring. It likes a boring life. It likes to know what's coming tomorrow. Yeah. So that it can respond appropriately. Yeah. It's, I actually, I think I read something the other day that was really funny that said it was something about, it was about muscle confusion and it mentioned how, okay, you're not going to get started for your workout by warming up your legs by doing squats. And then you grab the dumbbells and you start doing shoulder presses because you're doing a shoulder workout to, you know, that's, that's yeah. like muscle confusion, I guess. Like it's the same kind of thing. It just, it doesn't make sense because you're not going to make any kind of progress or growth or stress stimulus increase that actually builds muscle. Your muscle only wants to grow if you keep beating down on it to tell it grow, 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 grow. You know, it's basically what at the end of the day, what progressive overload is. Exactly. And all of that along the lines of food. Yes. Yes. Very true. But another thing I do want to point out to you is because you will see on social media, some, maybe the top pros are posting some of their workouts and it's different every time for one, they may not be doing those workouts full out Two if they already have a crap ton of muscle and they cannot put any more muscle on, they're not going to be following as much of a progressive overload in this kind of structure because they just need to maybe maintain, maybe dial something down. So their splits are going to look different than somebody that just needs to put on muscle. So just because that top pro or somebody that you see is doing different workouts every time, or they're not doing much volume at all, or they're just changing it. That doesn't mean that's what you need to do to get to a top pro physique. That means that they've already trained in this progressive overload for so long. They have the muscle built up already, and now they're maintaining it and tweaking it and doing little things here and there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I mean, it also doesn't come to say it's just like, you can't take away from it, right? Like maybe try an angle on your shoulder press or a right. positioning on your leg press or something like that tempo. But Jessica's right. It's just, you know, if someone has the, the, the muscle development and the muscle maturity and the muscle density, like you can bet your ass that they have worked on the fundamentals for a long time or they've been consistent enough that their body's responsiveness to those fundamentals has been very, very good. Mm-hmm. Yes. You yeah. Know? And that goes down to genetics as well, because mm-hmm. everybody has different genetics. So if they have different genetics than you in terms of muscle development as well, or what muscles develop more at, depending on how they hit them, that's going to determine how you have to work out as well. So all those factors have to play in. Yes, absolutely. Um, but this is, this is it, you guys, this is pretty much our rundown to a progressive overload. I hope this was helpful. I think that, you know, we try to give you as many tools as possible to, you know, push above and beyond during your, your training, during your prep, during your off season or improvement season, whatever you want to call it. Uh, because we know that like there, there are a lot of people out there who 
have, you know, I hate using the word potential, it drives me crazy, but like they are, you're working really hard, but you're not, you don't have the direction you need. And I understand that like with obviously online coaching, as online coaches, we try, we give as much instruction and direction and guidance as possible, but you're still at the gym solo, right? We're not there holding your hand unless we're physically training you. So we want you guys to know how to take this, run with it and be able to improve because of it. Mm -hmm. And that's another point I do want to mention as an online coach, you should be able to send your coach videos of you performing your exercises so they can check your form that way. And I mean, videos of you actually doing exercises. I think it's funny when I say, let me see you doing, you know, your, your deadlift sets. And they just send me something doing with like five pounds, little like warm up. I'm like, this is not, this is not your exercise. Yeah. Um, But if you send that to your coach, they will absolutely help you. So yeah, maybe online, but we do have all these tools now with videos and however you do all of that and communicate with your coach to, to have that opportunity to send them to you to to check your form and everything like that too. So that's, that's a good thing to keep in mind. If you are working with an online coach, I mean, you should be able to easily send them videos and then give you critique. That, that is true. That is very, very true. On that note, you guys. This is it for today. Uh, Jess, it was a pleasure, always. Uh, wait, next time, yeah, next episode, I think I'll be in New York already. We might, we might have to do like an in-person episode. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm going to be on stage the next time we're supposed to record. That is true. Hopefully, I'll yeah. be running uh, the, the universe. Uh, I, I expedite the stage for, for NBC Universe, so I will be That'll be, we usually record Fridays. So I will be with all the bikini and wellness girls up there on stage. It'll be in between between divisions. Yeah. So we'll just, yeah. Or maybe there'll actually be some time between prejudging and finals. um, That would be fun. We could do like a commenting on the actual show. Yeah. Yeah. Now that we talked about this on on the actual episode, you guys are just going to have to guess what's going to happen. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. (laughs) Well, Jess, it was a pleasure. You guys, until next time, hope you all have a great week and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Bye.